There it is. There it is. Yay, I'm preaching today. Amen. So we're taking a break from our financial one things, right? Pray for me. I'll be leaving tonight for Thailand to bring back our two long-term missionaries home. I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 26. 1 Samuel chapter 26, we're going to look at verses 12 and 13. And then after that, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Okay? So starting with 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 12. So David took the spear and the water jug near Saul's head. And they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. Then David crossed over to the other side and stood on top of the hill. Some distance away, there was a wide space between them. Everybody say wide space. space. And then Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, They triumphed over him. They're talking about Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, okay? So what I want to share with you today is that this very message came out of this desperate heart, this broken heart of a mother. You know, a little over a month ago, uh, I met with one of our church members whom I love very much, and... um, for some reason, I feel like, you know, I was talking to Benjamin, Benjamin, we've got to reach out to this person. The enemy is, like, just attacking them. We've we got to reach out. Come on. We've we, we got to do something. And finally, I got to have lunch with this person. And while we were having lunch, God had mercy upon us. And this person opened up to me. And my heart just fell. Like, you know what I mean? And the reason why it was so heartbreaking and it was so devastating for me was I saw the power of God over this person. Walking in victory, I saw the anointing of God. There's such a greatness over this person, such a, such a great anointing and power of God, you know? And then as I'm sharing and as this person is opening up to me, I'm just shocked at, how the enemy has discouraged this mighty person, mighty son of God, and this, and that, like even like crossed over the boundary that the that God had placed over to protect us. And as this person crossed over that boundary, like my heart broke, and you know I, I had faith, I did, but at the same time, like I was devastated. Does that make sense to you? Like, do you ever have faith, but then you're devastated? And so I'm driving to the office, and I'm just wailing. I'm not, the tears are not just, I'm just wailing. And I come, and, you know, people are like, hi, P.S. I'm like, "Mm, mm, mm, mm-mm, yeah, mm mm-mm. You know, I give that fake smile, right? I just run into my office, and I just wanted to just flop on the floor, and I just wanted to weep. And then Benjamin was meeting somebody. And so I'm sitting there just smiling, mm -hmm, everything okay, Mm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, God is, mm-hmm. 
yeah, but they could tell something, right? And, and like they wanted to pray. I'm like, I'm trying to like, you know, be in that pastor's mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just broke. And I just wailed and I just could not stop crying. And I said, God, like, have I failed? Benjamin, have we failed as pastors? How can I, how can we empower our people to not only encounter God and receive victory, but how do we empower them to walk continuously, continuously in victory and empower? Show me what, what am I, what God? And I just prayed and I remember like I just, Beg some of you, I just need one person. I just need one person to, to pray with me. And Stephanie Sanchez said, I will. And so you know what? From that very weekend, every Friday night, we came to church. The, where that speaker is, that's my spot right there. Like, it has my name on it. You can't see it, but God knows. There's like, if you need some a breakthrough, you just come stand right here. Boom, right? Like right here. And I would just weep and well before God, show us, show me how, show us what, what's going on. Teach me how, teach me how to empower our people. And that first night, as I was just wailing before God, and God spoke to me out of 1 Samuel chapter 26. And this whole sermon came out of that night. Here... Saul is after David's life out of jealousy. He tried many times to kill David, and David had to finally, finally run for his life. And this is the second time Saul came after one man, right? He, Saul took thousands and thousands of soldiers to come after one man, right? And now David was hiding in the stronghold. And you know what? As long as you're hiding in the stronghold, it doesn't matter who's coming after you. You're safe. And David here, Saul's after you, David. And he goes out and he looks down in the valley. And Saul and his soldiers are everywhere. And Saul is sleeping. And God told me, as I'm reading this chapter, she said, Sonny, when Saul's are after your sons and daughter, teach them. Teach them to take away the spear and the water jug. You see, first thing David did was David did not go down by himself. Right? In verse 6 somewhere, David asked, who's going to go with me? He looked at Ahimelech and Abishai and other mighty men. Who's going to go with me down there? And Abishai says, I will. And you know, when I read that, man, so many of us, we reach out to the community and like certain people, they don't reach back. And then you're offended and you're hurt, right? And like nobody loves me. But David, it didn't matter if even if Ahimelech didn't respond. But Abishai, he had one. Abishai, I'll go down with you. And he said, let's go. And so David and Abishai, they go down to the valley, and they're all sleeping. And Abishai says, let, let me just kill your enemy, right? Just one, just bit, it's done. Just let me do it. And, and David says, no, no, don't do it. Don't. 
There's another sermon in there, but you all know that, right? That's not my point. But anyway, all David, he saw the water jug and the spear, and he took it. He took the water jug and spear that belonged to Saul. And he crossed over to the other side, and he stood on the top of the hill. And it said, the Bible says, he made sure there was a wide space between Saul and and David. You know, a lot of times when Benjamin and I used to do inner city ministry, right, all these ghetto kids, right, they think they're tough. There was a little kid that was, I don't know, 11 or 12 that looked like he was 7 years old. I won't say his name just because he's listening to the podcast, right? And he's like always wanting to fight. And there were like 12-year-olds that are like 6 feet 5 that looked like they're 25, right? And this little kid would always like jump on them like, what, you like trying to fight them? And we're, we would have to, like, literally, like, pull him out. But, you know, when you watch movies, though, the, the not-so-brave ones, who's afraid of pain, who's, right? Those people, they hide around. Like, they're scared. They hide around. But then when there's a cop or there's some, right, they make sure they're covered. They're, they're, they make sure there's a wife. Then they're like, oh, you want to fight? And they want to fight it. They make sure there's somebody holding them back. Right? <laughs> So when we watch that, we judge them. Oh, what would you call them? Punk. Oh, you punk. You couldn't say anything. Right? Right. We judge them. But you know what? Biblically, that person's smart. He's not a punk. He's wise. Because if he tried to fight those people, he would get beaten down. You think he's going to be able to hold on to his pride when he's getting all beat up? But he made sure to cross over to the other side, right? And make sure there's a wide space. Make sure there's no way you could hit me back, right? And I'm not going to really hit you. I'm just going to act like I'm tough, right? But that's biblical. That's exactly what David did. Hmm? Water jug. Saul had water jug and spear. What gives life? To your Saul. To every one of you, Saul, there's Saul that's coming after you. But what gives life to your Saul? Saul represents sin. Saul represents struggles and issues and your weakness and the stronghold and the attack of the enemy. Saul's after you. But what gives life? Your Saul may be pornography. Your Saul may be sex addiction, drugs, alcohol. It could be unhealthy relationship. What is your soul and what gives life to your soul? If your soul is pornography, you know how you take away the lifeline? Stop going online at night in your bedroom by yourself. You, I'm just going to check my Facebook. No! <laughs> it's giving lifeline. Hmm? Stop watching R-rated movie by yourself when you feel lonely in your bed, in dark room. You're giving life. Stop spending one-on-one time with that girl in her bedroom alone. You're giving lifeline. Hmm? Stop texting that person that you know you're not supposed to be texting. Oh, I'm not, I'm not even going out on a date. I'm just texting. Well, that texting gives life to your soul. Man, 
Stop meditating and thinking on those wrong thoughts. It gives life to your soul. Hmm? You must take away lifeline, that water jug from your soul. Hmm? It says that spear represents weapons that destroy. Okay? Saul, if he found David, he would have taken his sword, his spear, and cut him and kill him to destroy David. What spear, what weapon does your Saul have against you? Because it may be different. The spear that the enemy uses against you may be different against me. Against Benjamin, he may use discouragement. Against me, he may use insignificance. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Right? What does the enemy have? Hmm? You know, those lies that the enemy throws at you, those are his weapon against you. Right? About a week later, so I'm, I'm like meditating. Okay, how am I going to teach this to our people? Yes, God, how do we, how do we teach them to? Because you don't want to wake Saul up when you're in the valley by yourself. Like, don't think, I could, I could, t- I could do this, right? Don't think you can witness in a bar if you're an alcoholic. Hello? Right? If you, no, seriously, if you have weakness, right, with other sex, don't, don't think, oh, I'm going to evangelize to that person over a candlelight dinner. Come on, somebody, right? And then a week later, same place right here. God, give me kingdom strategy. Give me kingdoms. How do we teach our people to not wake the soul up? In the, how do we teach them to, like, cross over? How do I teach them to go? You know, you can wake him up when you're up on the hill. Right? Come on, you want some? You, you want some? That's when you could do on top of the hill. Not when you're down in the valley and isolated. Hmm? And this is what God said, Sonny, not only do you teach them to take away the water jug and a spear from their souls, but you teach them how to take back their water jug and their spear. As you see, it's not just the enemy who has his own water jug and the spear. You and I have been given water jug and a spear. Hmm? Water jug. Revelation 12, 11, it says they triumphed over him. They overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of the lamb is your water jug. It's your lifeline. Your intimacy with God is your lifeline. Hmm? Water gives you life, but water jug carries the water that you need. Your intimacy with God is your lifeline. But what is the water jug that keeps you remain in intimate relationship with God? What is the water jug that, that, that helps you remain connected to God? That helps you to, to, to live in his presence. What is your water jug? You know, when I first became Christian, 19 years old, or when I rededicated my life to God at 19 years of age, you know what my water jug was? My quiet time, daily quiet time with God. Hmm? When our church first began, you know what our, our lifeline was? Remember, Daryl, every Friday night, the whole church came, and all we did was prayer? 
right? And remember, some of you, we did two and a half years every morning dawn prayer at 5.30. That was our lifeline. That's how we destroy the stronghold of the enemy over this city. You know what my lifeline is? I was, as I was writing down, okay, teach them to take back their water jug and their spear. Okay, well, what's mine? And I realized, you know what my water jug is? It's my Friday night prayer. As I came before God on behalf of sons and daughters of this house, it became my lifeline. That when I spend here from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. seeking the face of God, that lifeline keeps me connected to the presence of God all throughout the week. And I can't wait to come back to this place. Hmm? Lifeline. Your lifeline keeps you in the light where darkness can t- cannot enter. You see, when you remain in the light, darkness cannot cohabit with the light. Hmm? The word of your testimony is your spiritual weapon. And your weapon, the word of your testimony, comes out of your intimacy with Jesus. Listen, 1 John 1, 3, it says, We proclaim, proclaim to you what we have seen, and heard. Acts 4.20, we cannot help speaking about what we have heard and seen. Hmm? Your word of testimony is testifying what you have seen, what you have heard, what you have experienced with God. Hmm? This is one of the greatest weapons that you have against the enemy. See, when you allow the enemy to steal this weapon of yours, You're allowing the enemy to keep on stabbing you with his sword, but you have nothing to fight that. Hmm? Only your word of your testimony can destroy the attack, every stab of the enemy. Hmm? The enemy says, you're a failure. You think you're going to succeed? You're going to fail in that new business. No, you, you think you're going to find that agency? No, you're going to you're, you're a failure. The enemy says that. And we allow the enemy to keep on stabbing me and, yeah, I can't go. No, you, you rise up and you say, hey, if God is for me, who can be against me? Nothing can separate me from God's love. Huh? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hmm? The enemy would say to you, you know what you experienced last week on Sunday? You know, that small group? That's fake. That's not real. Hmm? What you have, what you experienced with God, that's not real. You just made that up. That's just emotions, huh? Trying to destroy your testimony, your weapon. But you can, when the enemy tells me, you're fake. Not only is your, is, is, your church faith, even your faith is faith. Who do you think you are? And, and God is real? You think God is real? You can't even, you know, when the enemy comes against me, you know what I could say? I have enough testimonies. No, no, Satan. That, that, that few nights, that many years ago when I was weeping by myself on my bed and I was weeping, I was weeping and then the, and God's arm, physical, real arms, I was alone, but I felt the arms of God holding me from the back, and I heard his audible voice. You can't tell me that that's not real. Huh? No one can argue or deny your testimony. They can argue with you about your theology, but they cannot argue with your testimony. Huh? Huh? You can try all you want to convince me that I don't have a daughter. 
And you could even remind me of nine years of struggle. You remember how many years and months you tried and you were disappointed every month and, and how, the, how you wore shame. Or, do you remember that? You, you don't have a daughter. You could come and try to argue with me all you want. But what you don't know is just this morning, my eyes, I saw my beautiful, my hands touched her. Huh? I held her. I embr- you cannot argue against what I have seen, what I have touched. However, how often do you allow the enemy to convince you that your testimony is not powerful, or it's not real, or it's not long-lasting? I'm going to do some public repentance right now. Because how often have have I allowed the enemy to make me believe that my husband didn't love me. How often, every time we fight, I would look into his eyes and say, you don't love me. You love yourself. Even the way you love me is because you want to be loved yourself. You selfish Jew. And then you would be like, I love you. You're a liar. And I know it's funny, but when I'm feeling it, it feels real. Right? And as I was preparing for this message last night, I'm thinking, man, how long does this man have to prove his love for his wife? I repent. (laughs) Benjamin, I repent publicly. I will never say that to you ever again. Seriously, how often hmm, have we accused our God? You don't love me. You favor her over me. If you really love me, how could you let this happen? If you really love me, why didn't you answer my prayer? You don't love me. He gave his life for you. How much more does he have to prove his love? He gave his life. He was beaten for your transgression. How much more? Hmm? And I'm just declaring, God, how often have I accused you of not loving me? I repent. I repent before God. I repent before my husband. Hmm? Revelation 6, 9 talks about those who maintain their testimony. Revelation 12, 17 talks about the dragon who waged war against those who hold fast to their testimony. Everybody say, hold fast. fast. Revelation 19, 10 talks about those who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Do you know how precious it is to God when his people hold fast to their testimony? Huh? No matter what they see, they may experience something opposite. You may be feeling pain in your body, but you're holding fast. God, you are my healer. You hold fast to your testimony. Do you know how precious? Do you know how precious it is to God when you maintain your testimony? You know, what if like somebody came 
into this room right now and started screaming at me as I'm preaching, Pastor Sonny, you're a liar. You're fake. And what if everybody just watched? Do I have to defend myself? Jason, you're going to defend me? Show me what you're going to (laughs) do. Even me, do you know how precious that would be? When you would rise up and defend my testimony, imagine how precious it is to God when his sons and daughters hold fast. Hold fast. Don't let go. I don't care what you're experiencing. I don't care what you're seeing. Hold fast to the testimony. They said that when you hold fast, it's a spirit of prophecy. You're prophesying, even though you may see the opposite. I'm prophesying as I'm holding fast that God reigns, that Jesus is Lord, that he is all in all, that he is king of kings, the Lord of lords. Hmm? You know, not long ago, Benjamin and I had lunch with Pastor James from Living Water in Berkeley, and he talked about how uh, he's, his pastor told him, James, you need to stop running away from the roar. You're too afraid of the roar. And he explained to him that when lions are about to fight, okay, they roar. Yes, it is to scare off, but... Behind it, they would roar against, uh, they would roar to a, a, to a, a direction where they want their cubs to run to for safety. Okay? And so cubs are hiding somewhere, and the lion goes, roar to this direction. Then the cubs hear that, and they run to the roar. And how this pastor told Pastor James, you've been afraid of the roar. When there's relational conflict, you're afraid of the pain that's going to cause you, and you've been running away from those relationships. But I want you to know God wants you to run to the roar, not away from the roar, because that roar is not there to destroy you, but that roar is there to protect you, to make you more like Jesus. Hmm? You know, the enemy will attack your weapon in order to destroy you. He will send his air force with lies, right? He will, de- oh, where, where are you hiding your, 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 your weapon? And he will send lies like an air force and boom, boom, bombard you with those lies. Hmm? You know, when wolves hunt, you know how they hunt? They, they hide and they look for the weak one, right? They look for the weak one. And then they, they attack and they isolate that weak one. And once that weak one is isolated, they surround that one. They, they, they hunt to, as a pack, right? And then once they surround that one sheep, that's when they tear it apart, and that's when they have dinner, right, or lunch. Hmm? <laughs> the enemy wants to isolate you so that he could devour you. Will you stop falling into the same old tactic? I mean, it happens once. What, what do they say? Shame on me. you. Yeah. It happens twice. Shame on me. But not once, twice, three times, hundred times, hundred thousand times. Stop falling into the same tactic. When the wolves come and want to isolate you, wake up. Amen. Wake up. 
but I'm weak. Well, you know what? When you stand on the side, go into the center of your path. Enemy can't get to you when you're surrounded by your others. Hmm? Another tactic of the enemy? To get you discouraged. To get you depressed. To to get you disillusioned. And once you fall into discouragement, you lose the ability to be thankful. And once you lose the ability to thankful, all you can do is complain. I don't have this. Nobody cares for me. This is, oh, whoa, 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 is me. And you know what that does? It isolates you from the presence of God. Why the scripture says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And when you lose that thanksgiving, you are isolated. You no longer could enter into the presence of God. You know, when nations are in war, the first thing they like to do is detect where they're hiding their weapon, right? And then they go destroy those weapons. It's time. Isn't it time? It's time. It's time to detect the water jug and the spear of the enemy. It's time to destroy it. It's time to be offensive. We, we fall asleep and we allow the enemy to come in and steal our water jug and spear. Over and over and over again, it's time for us to become offensive now. Let's destroy, huh? Let's destroy the, the weapons of the enemy, huh? And then we must guard our weapon. Now, how do we guard our weapon? Everybody say consistency. Consistency. That's how you guard your weapon. If the enemy cannot steal right away your water jug and your spear, you know what he's going to do? He's going to distract you, and he's going to make you inconsistent. Okay? Listen. When you are doing something daily, consistently, you are taking steps forward, making progress. No matter how small your steps are, you do it every day consistently. Guess what? I'm making progress because a few seconds ago, I was back there. But I'm, as I'm taking small steps every day consistently, I'm all the way over here. But the enemy makes you become inconsistent, huh? And you're distracted. And then you were here and you, you come here and then you don't even know where you were last off. And, and you know what that does? You know what inconsistency does? It negates your previous progress. Okay? And this applies to everything. Your physical workout, your eating habit, your spiritual discipline, huh? Everything. Your worship, building community, it applies to all areas of your life. Consistency is a habit. Everybody say habit. And you know, healthy habit will take you further than your desires. I don't care how passionate you are about something. If you don't have a good habit that you do daily towards it, it will take you nowhere. Hmm? Daily devotionals. You know, I used to teach all the new believers how to do daily devotionals with God because that's how God taught me, right? And I remember I taught this new believer, you know, this is how you do spend your time with the Lord. And in the beginning, this, oh, thank you so much. Oh, my gosh, I feel such a difference. And when I go to work, and oh, my gosh, I feel God's presence. And I feel so strong. Thank you so much. Oh, my God, this is, this is like amazing, right? 
two, three years later, they're struggling. Are you okay? Yeah. Have you have you been spending time with the Lord daily? No. No, you you don't understand. That's a spiritual food you gotta eat. Come on, let's do it. Okay, okay. A week later, have have you been consistent? Oh, I just did it twice. Well, did it help? Well, kinda. <laughs> well, do more. Okay, do it for. Okay, do it. But two weeks later, how are you doing? Oh, I just feel apathetic. I just feel like I'm. I don't know. I don't know if I wanna. I don't know, Pastor. I, I don't have any joy. Have you been spending time with the Lord? Have you been doing your daily devotional? No. But is that really an answer? I mean, really, spending 20 minutes a day, like, I don't feel, is that really going to set me free from this? Is it really going to work? Like, it's like, it's obligation. I just open it and do it, and it doesn't mean anything, and it has, dude, really? I don't think it's the answer. It is the answer. I mean, yeah, you may not have steak and eggs every morning. You're not going to feel all passionate when you're eating a bowl of cereal. <laughs> but it's going to hold you over till lunchtime. It's still going to nourish you. Well, I didn't feel, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel any nutrients, you know, that, that, you know, that cereal, and it's all sugar, and I didn't feel any, it really, like, is it really, really, yes, hmm, so your daily time with the Lord, you got to be consistent, if you are not, you have no joy, think back on your week, have you spent your time with the Lord, have you been consistent, no. Is that really an answer? Yes. Take my word, right? You know, we talked about brain pathways. New brain pathways are forged through daily, consistent repetition of habits. Let me say that one more time. You have brain pathways that's already forged. So a lot of times you don't have to think about doing certain things. Like when you wake up, you go to the bathroom or you brush your teeth. You don't have to like, you need to wake up right now. You need to take five steps to the bathroom. You don't have to think. It, the pathway is already forged, so you just automatically do it. They also say new pathways are always being forged, depending on what you do habitually, daily, consistently. The more you think and do, the more stronger that path is forged. The less you walk the path, the path will be covered with weeds and all the other stuff, and pretty soon that, that path will be narrow. That's why alcoholics can come out of it. They stop going to that path. They forge a new path, right? What kind of pathways have you been widening through your consistency lately? Listen, you could tweet this. Put my name on it. It came from myself and God. Listen, even your inconsistency is consistency in forging the wrong path. Even your inconsistency is consistency that is forging the wrong pathway. You know why? Because you are consistent in your inconsistency. Your wrong eating habits. 
You keep doing it. That's consistency. I don't know how to be consistent. Yes, you do. Just in the wrong things. I'm not going to look. I'm just going to look over here and say. (laughs) Just like unbelief is faith in the wrong thing. I don't have faith. Yes, you do. You just have faith in the wrong thing. Hmm? I can't wake up early and I can't have time with the Lord. You know why? Because you are consistent about waking up late. You have forged that path for like 20 years. Do you know how to forge your new path? Do something different daily, habitually, consistently. Hmm? You must be consistent with drinking that water from that water jug daily, habitually, continually, consistently. You know, Jesus was very consistent in going up to the mountains to be with the Father. Hmm? He often, the Bible says, withdrew himself to the mountainside to pray. Sometimes he took his disciples with him. He knew how to be consistent, and he knew how to guard his lifeline. The enemy has been fighting to destroy your lifeline, to steal your spear. I don't know about you. I'm tired. I'm tired. No more. I just need sons and daughters of this house to rise up and say no. The enemy has been fighting against the testimony of this house. And I've shared it with you past few weeks over and over again. All these people who have experienced the power of God, miraculous healing, and their body is being attacked again. It's not an attack against that person. It's an attack against the testimony of this house. Who's going to be jealous? Who's going to be jealous to guard the testimony of this house? I can't do it alone. Benjamin and I can't do it alone. We need men and women to rise up and say, Pastor, we're going to stand guard. We're not going to allow the promises of God to fall to the ground and allow the enemy to steal the testimony of this house. We're going to stand guard, whatever it takes. You want me to fast? I will. Anybody? Nate. I love you. We need men and women of God that says, that's it. That's it. Put the foot down and say, no more. You will not attack my sister again. You know what? I'm going to guard you. Brother, you know what? I'm sick and tired of the enemy coming back for you over. No, I'm going to guard you because you are the testimony of this house. Hmm? I want you to stand up in God's presence. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to stir up that jealousy, the righteous, holy jealousy for the testimony. God is looking for sons and daughters who will hold fast to the testimony of Jesus Christ. How long will we allow the enemy to steal what is rightfully ours? But pastor, you don't understand what I've been going through. I know. I'm there. As I'm preaching in front of you, 
My family is getting attacked. My sister's been in and out of emergency all week. My other sister's been going through so much. But you know what? Just like those nine years when I believed for a child, the enemy says it will never happen. You know what? We held fast together, didn't we? Didn't you and I, didn't we believe together that one, didn't I stand in front of you every Mother's Day and say next Mother's Day I'm going to stand as a mother? Didn't I, didn't we hold fast? And when we hold fast, we guard the testimony of Jesus. And God is looking for some sons and daughters that will rise up and say, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm going to guard the testimony. I'm going to be jealous for the testimony of Jesus for this house. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. And I want you to just, just, just ask God to anoint you, to raise you up for such a time as this. God, empower me not to be shaken by the lies of the enemy. That I'm not busy. I'm not too busy, distracted by my own problems. But God, that I will wake up and that I will guard the testimony of this house. To guard the testimony of Jesus Christ.